evening and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each and every Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week for about three hours, and we do so in a very entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. Now, it wouldn't be called the John and Leah Show if we didn't have Leah Brandon. Tonight, there will be no Leah Branded, but have no fear. We have a lot to look forward to over the next uh, three hours. By the way, uh, Leah will be back next week in our first show of 2016, when we, at the end of the program, made our predictions for this coming year. She basically uh, predicted an economic collapse and then dropped the mic, uh, because that's what happened. We're well on our way in this first week, uh, full week of 2016, with the stock market doing as poorly as it has ever done in the history of the stock market. Uh, but that's not why Leah is not here. Uh, hopefully she's preparing for her beloved Alabama Crimson Tide to play in the national championship game tomorrow night, and she will be back next Sunday night. Now, this weekend alone, I mean, this has been a very busy week of news, but we could easily do three hours on just the news of this weekend. There have been some crazy things that have happened over just the last couple of days, foremost among them, which I will definitely get to, is the capture of the Mexican drug lord El Chapo under the most bizarre circumstances you could possibly imagine. Based upon what we currently know, and of course, that doesn't always mean it's true, based upon the nature of the news media, it appears as if part of the reason he was finally caught was because he did a exceedingly long interview with Sean Penn, the actor for Rolling Stone, an interview that apparently he had control over editorial-wise, and was at least in part because El Chapo was trying to gauge interest in a Hollywood movie about his life. And this ended up resulting in his capture. Some very important questions need to be answered by Sean Penn on that. By the way, speaking of movies, we've got the Golden Globes going on right now. I'm curious how the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movie, The The Revenant, will do, because I saw it a couple days ago, and I didn't like it. My wife absolutely hated it. But it's gotten a lot of buzz, a big box office this weekend. And a lot of people believe that Leonardo DiCaprio is a lock to win all the awards. Uh, this is my impression of Leonardo DiCaprio's acting during The Revenant. <laughs> Which is interesting because Sylvester Stallone just won a Golden Globe for playing Rocky in Creed, and that's very similar to what he got awarded for. Very similar dialogue between Sylvester Stallone in Creed and Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant. Um, amazing that Sylvester Stallone wins an, a Golden Globe almost exactly 40 years after first being nominated and not winning for the same character, Rocky, and now he wins as a supporting actor. Uh, in Creed, but we'll uh, we'll talk more about that once all the results are in. Not that they mean all that much, but they are sometimes interesting. Also, we often talk about football at the start of the John and Leah show, and last night was maybe the craziest NFL playoff game in history between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it was nuts. It was kind of a boring game, and then all of a sudden exploded. Boy, that escalated quickly. Yeah, it was uh, nuts, and what's interesting about this is I had intended to speak to Steeler legend Franco Harris on this program before that game because I saw the movie Concussion this week with Will Smith. That movie's not been doing particularly well. The NFL has done an amazing job of 
uh, basically neutralizing it without creating a controversy. But I do believe that the NFL is at a crossroads, and last night's game has certainly instigated more controversy and discussion of this with regard to whether or not the game can survive in these politically correct times. Donald Trump, of all people, is saying that the NFL has gotten too soft and America has gotten too soft. I'm not sure last night's game was a perfect example of that. But in the next segment, we will be joined live by Steeler legend and NFL Hall of Famer Franco Harris, who is maybe one of the very few. I mean, I'm talking about one or two. Uh, celebrities that I've ever come in contact with with whom I have a great deal of respect. So looking forward to speaking to Franco. In the next hour, by the way, we're going to be joined, as I promised last week, by legendary defense attorney Thomas Mesereau. Tom Mesereau, most well-known for having defended Michael Jackson. I want to talk to him about Bill Cosby and a couple of other things, because he has a theory on that case that I find uh, fascinating. And uh, he has uh, the best intellect and the biggest balls of anybody in his industry. So I respect both of those things. So we'll talk to Tom Mesereau in hour number two. But Franco Harris coming up first and a whole bunch of news on this edition of the John and Leah Show, our website where you can check out each of the 22 Radio stations across the country on which this show is broadcast is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. My name is John Ziegler. This is the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. Leah Brandon is off tonight. And because she's off, um, I've taken advantage of uh, that opportunity by uh, asking a couple of very high-profile guests onto the program, and we're lucky to have uh, both of them scheduled to join us. We often discuss uh, football, not from a uh, sports perspective, but from a cultural standpoint on this program, because football is now by far... Uh, the uh, the biggest sport in America. It's a cultural and business phenomenon, and I believe that it's at a crossroads. And this week I saw a movie called Concussion starring Will Smith, which is basically the story of essentially the 1970s Pittsburgh Steelers legendary team and several of their players who doctors believe ended up dying early because of their participation in football and specifically because of concussions. Well, one of the people that's actually in the movie and who knows this story better than anybody is a friend of mine, a guy with whom I've been in a in, in a, uh, a battle on the Penn State case for the last uh, three or four years. We've been in a foxhole together. We've gotten to know him very well. He's an amazing guy, one of the few celebrities I have respect for. He's NFL Hall of Famer and Pittsburgh Steeler legend Franco Harris, and he joins us now. Franco, welcome back to the John and Leah Show. Thank you, John. I have to talk with you again. Franco, always great to talk to you. Uh, before we get into the movie and the issues related to that, I have to ask you about last night's crazy game against the Bengals and because it clearly relates to this issue of concussions and the state of the NFL. A lot of controversy over whether this game was good for the NFL, bad for the NFL. It had huge TV ratings. Obviously, your Steelers ended up winning under remarkably bizarre circumstances. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Well, I have never seen a team lose a game that way. 
that was uh, pretty crazy. But uh, as as uh, far as uh, uh, the hitting and different things like that, absolutely. Like I mean, hey, uh, listen, it's a tough, violent game, and and even though you don't, you know, you only see a couple games on television. Let me tell you, a lot of them are are uh, physical and a lot of tough hits. And and back in our day, there's no doubt it was a lot more common to see those type of hits. Uh, now, when and as a matter of fact, it, it happened quite often. Um, so now, when someone uh, sees a hit, it gets a whole lot of attention, uh, uh, but and but I guess as you said, uh, you know we're seeing some of the effects of those hits, uh, uh, the way the game was played before. Franco, let, let me talk to you about the the movie and the issue specifically, uh, because it revolves around the guy who played center on your legendary Pittsburgh Steelers teams, Mike Webster, a guy, by the way, you're an executive producer of another movie specifically on him. And, and it also deals with several of your other teammates from the Steelers teams that, that en- ended their lives in obviously less than ideal circumstances. What was your reaction to the movie and how would you ass- assess its accuracy? You know what, John, I, uh, uh, the movie kept my interest. The whole time, uh, uh, like the way they moved the movie along, uh, uh, I thought Will Smith did a uh, great job um, uh, in his acting, and uh, and 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 like it was intense. It uh, uh, was it em- was it emotional for you, Franco, to see your former teammates going through that kind of pain? And that's the part, you know, uh, uh, with uh, Mike Webster, uh, I uh, was was around him uh, a few times during all that time, and uh, but I did not see him in his in his truck every time I saw him. Uh, we had discussion in my office. Had a, you know, we had lunch a couple times. Uh, saw him somewhere else, and 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 I'm hearing all the stories, but I uh, did not uh, see his actual conditions. How would how would you grade the accuracy of the of the uh, basic movie with regard to your team and and, the, and your former teammates? Well, the um, uh, unfortunately, the uh, facts about what happened to our teammates, uh, I mean, that's already in, uh, unfortunately. Um, and the way that they uh, passed away with, with Jason and Terry, Terry Long, uh, those were quite tragic. Uh, Mike. Uh, what he was going through was quite tragic. Uh, uh, but if I remember, uh, he died of a of a uh, uh, of a heart 
a heart attack, I believe. Franco, do you believe that football killed your teammates? I believe that uh, when I look at this, that that the brain to the dam I mean, the damage to the brain uh, made them act in a way that did bring harm to them and and eventually death. Let's talk about you, Franco Harris, uh, NFL Hall of Famer. You know, you took a lot of heat when you played with the Steelers, won four Super Bowls, ended up with a Hall of Fame career because you um, got a rap for running out of bounds. Um, I don't know whether or not you agree with that accuracy or not, but that was the perception of you. I now look at your career and I think, wow, Franco really knew what the heck he was doing. Uh, he won four Super Bowls. He made the Hall of Fame. And he's still got his faculties, and he can still walk. Uh, do you feel lucky in comparison to, to other members of, of those Steeler teams? Yeah. Well, um, 15 years ago, I decided to take some things in uh, my own hands and to be proactive. Uh, because I realized 15 years ago, this was, this was in 2000. I uh, I was saying that we all have brain damage, all of us, and uh, and because of that, I I did a change of lifestyle, and I tried to think of what preventative things can I do, or what things can I do to help, uh, to I'm not sure if I can prevent it. But is there any way to delay brain problem issues? And uh, and so 15 years ago, I started eating two packs of blueberries a day, and I mean packs, not a handful. And uh, and I started taking fish oil. And for about a year and a half, I went on a vegetarian, strictly vegetarian diet. Uh, but eventually I did add uh, chicken and, well, fish and then some, you know, and some poultry now and then. Fr- Franco, I'm curious. I mean, I've been with you and your wife where your, your wife kids you about, you know, your memory not being as good as it has been in the past, which is probably pretty common among wives and husbands of a certain age. Do you worry that maybe something did happen to you for because of football? Uh. No, I don't think she's ever, you know, she's ever said that. I, I know she she complained about my hearing, but <laughs> and, and 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 all those guys, you know, we have selective memories. <laughs> but uh, but uh, fair but enough. No, like I feel my memory uh, really held up pretty well. Now I had a right, Frank, one, Franco. Franco, can you hold on one second? We, sure. we we have to take a break. We're speaking with Franco Harris, NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, right here on the John and Leah show about the state of the NFL. And when we come back, I'll talk more about the battle that he and I have been in for the truth on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. Leah is off this week. Uh, we could not have planned the uh, intro music for this segment any better since we have a Pittsburgh legend, Franco Harris, on for a, a second segment. In a moment, uh, we'll talk with the NFL Hall of Famer about the battle for the truth in the Penn State case that he and I have been uh, working together on intermittently for the last uh, several years. But, uh, Franco, I, I want to ask you one other question about this issue of concussions and the NFL potentially being at the crossroads and whether or not football can exist in in the era in which we now live. You and I, one of the reasons why we are an odd couple is that you are a liberal Democrat and I'm not. Um, and I'm curious whether you would agree with the assessment at the end of this movie, this Will Smith movie, Concussion, that relates this issue kind of to the smoking issue, where... And the way I look at the smoking issue is as long as you are made aware of what the dangers are and you decide to go ahead and smoke, then you have to accept the responsibilities for those dangers. Do you see that analogy with regard to football now that we know the dangers, which we probably did not in your era? Do you see that? Um, You know what, John? I think information is very valuable, and and having that information uh, uh, will uh, I guess let uh, people decide what uh, what they want to do, but uh, there are people taking precautions now. Now that they know, uh, uh, you know, as they mentioned in the movie, that you really can't detect this until someone passes. Uh, even though I know that they're trying to do different things to get some baseline testing and doing different things uh, but um, but when you look at that and, and and the things that they're doing putting it in in place to I guess uh, 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 well, I think for instance I know that they're only allowed to hit I believe one day a week in practice uh, I don't believe they do the head drills. I mean, we should do head drills all the time. Now, we know they're not doing that anymore. Uh, I've always felt that uh, kids should play other sports growing up. I've always promoted soccer, basketball, baseball, uh, lacrosse, all those type of sports that really help kids learn about footwork and balance and things like that. And and then when they get into into their uh, you know 13 14 um to start thinking about football uh, but before that like I, I like i just felt that uh uh that the game football is and as tough as it is that a lot of the other basic stuff that they can learn from the other sports that don't require so much physical contact. Do you believe, Franco, last question on this, do you believe that football as we know it is endangered? Is it, gonna, is, is, is it going to exist as we have come to know it, and certainly in your era came to know it, the 1970s, is it going to exist in 10 or 20 years? You know what, John, I hope so. It's, it's a great game, great game, and, and, uh, and probably the ultimate team game. Uh, and just a culture that 
football uh, build and in these good programs on and off the field, the young men that uh, have come from this sport have just been incredible. And uh, and it's changed a lot of lives. Um, and as I said, it's a great sport. I I love the game. And, and now with the knowledge that we have, the things that they're putting in place uh, will make the game a, a lot safer and also I think it'll make it for a, a lot better quality of life later on. And, like, to me, that's a very important part of it that football offers so much, but you want quality of life later on to be part of that, and, that, and they're putting in steps to, to help that. We're speaking with NFL legend uh, Franco Harris, and while we have you, Franco, i got to ask you a couple quick questions about the reason why you and I became acquainted and became friendly uh, as this odd couple I referred to over the entire so-called Penn State scandal. Now, you were the uh, the only celebrity of any major note, although, oddly enough, Donald Trump might, might have also qualified, but he didn't take nearly the chances that you did, uh, and stood up when that whole story broke back in uh, late 2011, early 2012, and said that you did not believe that Joe Paterno uh, deserved any of of what came his way, the firing, and resulted almost assuredly in his death almost exactly four years ago. And you were ridiculed. You were really brutally ridiculed. And uh, you showed an enormous amount of guts. And since that time, every single fact in this case has vindicated you in a huge way. Uh, Joe Paterno's wins were restored just this week. They restored the mural in State College to have the halo over Joe Paterno's head. And uh, last week on this program, we talked about Rick Pitino talking in very passionate terms, the Louisville basketball coach, about how much admiration he had for Joe Paterno and how he had gotten railroaded. Uh, And, of course, he's facing a somewhat similar situation at Louisville. I'm curious, at what point do you feel vindicated in your standing up for what you knew to be true, despite what the news media was was trying to sell everybody. Well, you know, John, just to touch on Rick for a minute, I, 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 I think once someone uh, goes through something like that, it it does open up your eyes to uh, to a lot more of what has happened and and what's going on. And uh, and and even when you see the USC case and different things, I mean, it it really um, just brings the top of mind about what's going on here that um, that these governing bodies that are supposed to uh, have a particular process of of doing things and and you're hoping doing things in 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 the right way and um, and then you find out that gee that people are doing things for their own interest mm-hmm. uh, and and it's just Especially the news disturbing. media. Especially the news media, right, oh, Frank? Very much so. And 
and uh, and you know what what we went through in the beginning here. But when you look at 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 Rick Pitino and and him saying, you know, of basically uh, that, uh, you know, they have to stand up. You know what I mean? You know, and right. and uh, and and he finally realized that if if you don't say anything, they take complete control of the narrative. Is what what happened with Joe, and and Rick knows he can't just sit back, and he's really letting his university know, hey. We can't sit back. Just not me. You know that that uh, he needs their help too, and 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 that they need they need to fight. And everything is about the truth, John. Finding the truth. Amen, brother. Um, and, I, go ahead. And then sometimes trying to find the truth. Sometimes you find some other bad stuff out there. And it's and it's very disappointing, very disappointing. Well, in this case, in the Penn State case, the more we dug, the the less bad stuff we found out about Joe Paterno, and almost like I said. But what we found out about, and allegations that I gotta want to, you know, but I do want to say that the things that we did find out about what other people were doing, yes, were very disappointing. That's what I'm saying. I hear you. What was disappointing is that people that. Talked about that Curly Schultz, Spaniard, Joe, they all did a cover up. Now we're finding out that people who can, who can choose, who accuse people of doing cover ups, that they're covering up a lot of stuff. They're the ones covering up. Now, the whole story is 100% upside down and totally different than what the media told us uh, back uh, over four years ago. Last question for you, though, Franco, because you, know, you and I are so different in so many ways. But I, I, I had so much admiration for you. I am incredibly frustrated by the fact that even though the factual record has now shown that the narrative at the beginning of the story was totally false, especially with regard to Joe Paterno and Penn State, that the news media has basically ignored that reality because they don't want to admit they were wrong. You don't seem nearly as frustrated by it. How do you not get frustrated knowing you were dead right and not having that moment where anyone actually admits it? Well, um, there are some other things that uh, that I feel that we need to do to get the information out there and get the word out there. Um, now within a certain community, we know a lot of stuff, but I don't think enough people really know all the stuff that we know, and we have to reach them. Right. But they have no interest. They have no interest in knowing, Franco, because they don't want to admit they were wrong. And and the news media, of course, has long ago moved on because for them it's all about ratings. That's all it is about. Truth means nothing. It is all about ratings, and a lot but of people John, got hurt. It, but, but, John, if we can now make it interesting what we have here, and I think we have so much stuff here that it will interest a lot of people, and and like then also when you look at Rick you know, you look at USC, you look at mm-hmm. all these other things that have happened, and 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 you look at the Duke, you know, you look at the mm-hmm. Duke case, you look at all these things, and you start to see a certain pattern here. Yep. And and uh, then I think, you know, people 
we'll start to understand what's going on here, uh, but we have to present our information, and, and that's our goal in 2016, is to bring this out on a wide basis, mm-hmm. not on the limited basis that we did the last few years. Right. And the last few years, that limited basis that we did was very important. Right, I hear you. And, and, but, but now we have to have a wider audience. Franco Harris, NFL legend, Hall of Famer, and uh, a true hero of mine. Thanks so much, as always, for your time. I'm sure we'll talk hey, again soon. Hey, always a pleasure, John. Happy New Year, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Thanks, Franco. Okay, John. Have a good Thanks. night. That's uh, Franco Harris. By the way, if you want more information on the Penn State case, uh, my website is www.framingpaterno. That's framingpaterno.com. It's figurative, not literal. It's not a conspiracy, but it is an amazing story, the truth of what really happened there, framingpaterno.com. I'll have some more thoughts uh, in the final segment of this hour when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler, and boy, folks, we don't plan the music that we play. Uh, we probably should, but uh, if we did, we couldn't do any better than we had the last two segments because um, not too many people I consider to be heroes, but uh, especially not among celebrities for whom I have disdain. I mean, I think human beings are terrible, and I think celebrity human beings are the worst, uh, but Franco Harris, while certainly not perfect because no one is, uh, is an amazing, amazing guy. Uh, who deserves an enormous amount of credit for being one of the very, very, very few people willing to sacrifice anything for what he believes to be right and believes to be the truth. Uh, And he happens to be right. Whether the news media wants to accept that or not uh, is irrelevant, but um, it's been an amazing experience being in a foxhole with him for the last uh, several years, and uh, I'm honored to have um, helped him along with uh, that entire uh, search for truth. Uh, which we will eventually be fully vindicated on, I promise you. The news media may never fully accept it, but we will be fully vindicated. I believe the facts have already fully vindicated us, but that's another story for another day. By the way, while we have a couple minutes, and in the next hour we're going to be joined by uh, famed attorney Tom Mazzaro to talk about uh, Bill Cosby and a couple of other things. But uh, since we've been discussing the NFL, and since we're on in Los Angeles, outside of which I broadcast from, and we're on in St. Louis now, and we're on in San Diego, and we're not on in Oakland, but we're on in Sacramento, which is close enough. I feel compelled to at least mention that, according to the news media, this week it's going to be a done deal that at least two NFL franchises are going to move here to Los Angeles. And, folks, um, that may happen. I mean, that's the presumed conventional wisdom. It's a done deal. That either St. Louis, San Diego, or Oakland, or two of those three are going to somehow move to Los Angeles. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I know that that puts me out on a huge limb. um, And there's an enormous amount of momentum. The NFL clearly wants to be in Los Angeles. They wanted to be in Los Angeles. At least some of them have for 20 years since Los Angeles lost the Rams and the Raiders. But here's my rule of thumb on these situations. Whenever something 
humongous is thought to be in the works. And this would be huge. I mean, to have maybe two NFL franchises uproot themselves and move to Los Angeles, that would be a big deal, regardless, not even just a sports story, a cultural story. Whenever something that big happens, I have a rule that they usually, not always, but usually happens by surprise when no one's really looking because when something that big happens, the more scrutiny it gets, the more chances that someone's going to figure out a bad reason to do this or a reason not to do this and a reason to kill it. And I also am someone who believes that human beings are inherently incompetent and the more complicated you make something, the less chance there is of something happening. And there are two basic, although there could be more than that, there are two basic theories as to what's going to happen here. Either St. Louis is going to move to L.A. or San Diego and Oakland are both going to move to L.A., although I guess there's also a chance that St. Louis and San Diego could move to L.A. I'm sorry. The people in L.A. are incompetent. They're dumb, even by human being standards. And anything that is not simple means that there's a, it's very easy to get screwed up. And I also believe that politically, it's going to be really difficult for any one of these scenarios to get enough votes to get approved at least this year, maybe next year. And finally, I'm all, I keep going back to the same thing with regard to Los Angeles. And that is that Los Angeles has been a cash cow for every NFL team that wants to build a new stadium. Why in the world would NFL owners kill that cash cow, kill the golden goose? Because Los Angeles has been the ultimate leverage creator. Every owner can just say, well, we're going to move to Los Angeles because they don't have a team. And then all of a sudden, every city ponies up. They got a brand new stadium. They get everything they want. And everybody's happy. So it's hard for me to believe that the NFL owners, the two-thirds, which I believe is what they need, two-thirds of the owners are going to give that up for a situation that's potentially very complex and very politically dicey. And then finally, whether or not this would actually work. This is the part I really don't get. So Los Angeles loses two NFL teams about 20 years ago. Since then, the demographics of Los Angeles have been far less, have become far less conducive to an NFL franchise. Just look at the people who have left as opposed to the people who have come in. Not exactly conducive especially for season ticket holders, but not exactly your NFL demo demographic, at least not nationwide. And so you're going to take a city that doesn't have a whole lot more money to spend than it did 20 years ago. Demographically has shifted to the negative with regard to the average NFL fan. And now you're going to bring in not one, but two NFL franchises at the same time when they couldn't make it 20 years ago? Now, I realize the NFL has changed quite a bit. And this is mostly about TV ratings. And that Los Angeles is the second largest television market. And it's almost as if the owners don't care that much whether or not the games sell out, whether or not the teams are that successful. They want those numbers, those television numbers, because it's very difficult for the NFL to expand its ratings base at this point. The only way really to do that logistically is to bring in the number two media market, Los Angeles. Personally, I don't think you need to have two teams to do that. The most logical scenario here to me is that St. Louis moves back to L.A. where they started, and that's it. You keep San Diego and Oakland where they are, but 
Apparently that's that's not in the works. I just I don't see how this is all going to work out as simply as the news media tells you. And I'm I'm always now in the fallback position of if something is the media conventional wisdom, it must be wrong because the media is always wrong. By the way, speaking of what the media is always wrong about criminal cases, we'll talk about that when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.